This is Truth Pop. I don't hate her. I hate what she's become. I hate the illness. We are back here with another episode of Truth Pop. What's up? It's Jake and Kathy. It's been a really, really long time. We had to take a little bit of a hiatus here with Truth Pop um, because, uh, well, first of all, one thing is that we moved. So we are now living in the St. Louis area. And so, you know, along with the move comes a lot of adjustment. Uh, Another thing is we have a dog now, um, our puppy, Chloe, who... You might hear her barking in the background at times. There's a really good chance you'll hear her. And we're just going to kind of let it go. Because right now she's currently jumping up and trying to uh, ring some bells to get outside. So Chloe's going to be a part of the uh, the show now, just just so you're aware. Um, but we're really happy to just jump back into Truth Pop and jump back into the ministry now that we've fully moved. And uh, another really in- exciting update that we have is that we are in the process of adopting. We have talked about our struggles with infertility in the past. Oh, there's Chloe now. I don't know if you heard the bell, but uh, we've talked about our struggles with infertility and we got news from a doctor a few months ago that it just really wasn't looking like that might be a part of God's plan right now. So he's a Catholic doctor who recommended that we just prayerfully discern adopting. So that was kind of a a new thing on our end that we're, um, we're kind of investing a lot of time in right now. Yeah. And we just got accepted with an organization that will connect us to an adoption agency. So we're so excited to begin that process. So uh, we'll continue just to let you know how things are going, but we're just really excited. I'll admit I was resisting adoption more than Kathy was. And we've talked in the past on past episodes how it has been a cross for us, but we just feel like God is calling us to lift this up into trust. And we're really excited just about this new path in our lives and uh, really seeing where, where God is going to bring us. So we'll continue to update you on how that's going. But since it has been a hot moment since we've done an episode on Truth Pop, we thought we'd mix it up today and do a Halloween special. So what we do on the podcast is we connect Christ into culture. We give you a Catholic take on pop culture. So whether that be music, TV shows, um, we're going to do a movie today. And it's a classic from my favorite film director of all time, Mr. Alfred Hitchcock. Who I pray is in heaven because I just cannot wait to uh, <laughs> to be able to have the chance to sit down and pick his brain about all of his amazing films. I just love the guy. I think he has awesome, awesome movies. And uh, one of my favorites from Alfred Hitchcock is the one we're going to talk about today. And it is the famous slasher shower movie. Yeah, the movie that makes you afraid to walk into a shower. Um, From 1960, the movie starring Janet Leigh, who is actually the mother of Jamie Lee Curtis, and also Anthony Perkins. They starred in the movie Psycho. So I have seen this movie probably about a dozen times. Kathy, you've seen it what? I've seen it like four or five times, I'd say. Yeah. And so it's it's definitely a good movie to talk about because the more and more we got plugged into the the plot, we started thinking about how it's a little bit of a portrayal of what happens when we fall into mortal sin. Mortal sin is something that the Catholic Church teaches about and it's it's in scripture. Maybe something that you learned about growing up, but as just a as a little bit of a quick recap, Kathy, maybe you can kind of go over what uh, what mortal sin is really all about. Sin has two different categories. So the first one is venial sin and the second one is mortal sin. So what is the difference between venial sin and mortal sin? Well, mortal sin is more serious sin. So in order for something to be categorized as mortal sin, 
it has to have three conditions. First, it must be a grave matter. It must be seriously wrong. Second, you must have full knowledge that it is wrong. And third, you must give deliberate consent to that sin. So if all three conditions are met, that is considered a mortal sin. Now, venial sin is sin that could meet one of those conditions, but it does not meet all three of those conditions. And sin can still be grave. It can be a grave sin, but that does not mean it's a mortal sin. When someone is in mortal sin, the catechism teaches us that the tie to God is broken because that person chooses deliberately to commit that mortal sin and they are separated from God. So what the church teaches is that in order for that tie to be restored, one must go to the sacrament of reconciliation. You're wondering at this point, how does this have to do with a movie from 1960? Uh, Well, you know, Kathy and I, as we were talking about the movie Psycho, which we're not going to give any spoilers away. I just want you to know that we're just giving a kind of a brief synopsis of the beginning of the movie. We're focusing more on what the character Marion Crane is going through, not so much Norman Bates. Now, if you know anything about Psycho, you know that the Psycho is literally Norman Bates. I'm not going to say anything else other than that. But when it comes to Marion Crane, the first 45 minutes of the movie is setting up her falling in to a grave sin. So uh, what happens in the opening scene of the movie is she's with her boyfriend, Sam. Sam and Marion are frustrated because they want to get married, but they don't have the money to do so. They're both frustrated with their lives and they want to be able to move and have a life together. Well, Marion's working at a bank and uh, her boss asks Marion before she heads home for the weekend uh, to cash a lot of money. We're talking like $40,000. And in 1960, $40,000 is like way, way, way more, like hundreds of thousands of dollars now. So that was a lot of money and a lot of trust that the boss was giving Marion. And the opening scene is contrasting the difference between vice and virtue. In the beginning of the movie, Marion is still showing virtue. She does mean to cash in the money at the bank to do what she's supposed to do. But then you'll see there's the scene where she changes from white to black. And it's really interesting because I think Hitchcock meant to have that scene, which showed her evolution into temptation and ultimately into sin. She was knowing it was serious. It was a serious thing to steal the money. And uh, she knowingly did it. And you can see her even thinking about it in that scene. And as she's completely wearing black then, it's interesting because in the background of the scene, there's a photo of her parents on the wall and her parents happen to be looking the other way in the photo. So that's to show that she knows what she's doing is wrong. And people like her parents would not approve of her decision. So assuming that Marion was in mortal sin, we can see the different themes going on in her interior life, we can see that she's starting to grow numb. She continues to make poor decisions as she first steals the money. And then after that, she runs and she leaves town. She then buys a car with that stolen money. She then runs and hides from the cop. And ultimately that all leads her to that bad place which is the Bates Motel. We can also see 
the theme of hiding a lot. It's kind of like how Adam and Eve hid in the garden after they committed their sin. They wanted to hide from God. Marion hides from the cop after she gets that new car. She doesn't want the cop to recognize her anymore. She also continues to hide the money. She doesn't want anyone to see. She even wraps it up in newspaper. When we commit a sin, we try to hide ourselves. We don't want anyone to see because that would lead us into shame. But when we live in Christ's light, we don't need to hide. We can just be our true selves and be comfortable with that. We also see how her conscience speaks throughout the movie as she's driving. She hears other people's voices inside her head, kind of thinking what they most likely would be saying. Oftentimes when we commit sin, our conscience speaks to us and it tells us what we're doing is wrong. Some, some other themes that fit into this psychoanalysis, as we call it, is impulsivity. You'll see how Marion Crane acts very impulsively. She high pressures the salesman who's selling her the car. Normally, it's the other way around, but no, she's impulsively buying a car and she doesn't even know how the car is going to drive. All because she's running away. She's hiding. All because she knows that, oh, crap, I'm in trouble here. So impulsivity is definitely an element that uh, it, it's not meant to be like necessarily a generalization because some people are just straight up impulsive and it doesn't mean that they're in mortal sin. Right. She's sometimes like a character flaw. But I do think that it shows that when we're in mortal sin, like so we're, we're trapped, we're cut off from God's grace. We're not able to receive his grace in the fullest way that we normally would when we're in the state of grace, right? And grace helps us to discern. Discernment helps us to make wise decisions. So being in mortal sin, I would think, and I would humbly argue is more of a kind of a trap for us um, because we're not really thinking clearly and we're making rash decisions. Speaking of traps, that's another thing. There's that scene, remember, where Marion is talking to Norman Bates when they first meet and they're having dinner. And uh, while they're talking about the theme of traps, Marion says something really, really, really profound. She says, Sometimes we deliberately step into those traps. We choose to fall into our own traps. And that's true because I think she realizes in that moment, like, wow, what I did was wrong. And I need to get myself out of that trap. I need to own up to that decision. What I did was wrong. So those, those idea of traps, mortal sin is really a trap because the enemy can lay them out in our lives. And I think that the devil knows our Achilles heel. The devil knows what sort of sins in our lives are most likely to trip us up. He's not necessarily going to try to tempt us with something that he knows we don't struggle with, but if it's a proclivity to lust or maybe it's greed, uh, envy, those things, I think the devil really tries to throw at us. He's hoping that just in the way that like a mouse trap would work, well, he wants us to be caught up in that trap and then to fall into that shame because shame, it causes us to hide. It causes us to forget who we really are. So change of identity is another element of mortal sin that's shown with Marion Crane literally signing in in the guest book at the Bates Motel as someone else's name. She writes in an alias. Yeah, she's trying to hide who she is. She doesn't want to be found out. But I think we do that in our own lives. We forget who we are. We forget our real calling and we forget that we're sons and daughters of God. And sometimes we might even identify ourselves based off of that sin. So we might even start to believe what the devil's trying to tell us that, oh, I am lust or I am 
drinking too much on the weekends, that that label, that sin is what defines me. So it's like we take on that false identity, that fake person, their persona, and we, we really buy into that. And, and God is just simply calling us back saying, I want you to know whose you are. You're mine. You are my son. You are my daughter. That is what defines you. Not the sin, not the shame, you know, and that you don't have to hide. You don't have to run from me. But unfortunately, Marion thinks that that trap is, is, is really, really, really just keeping her from uh, who she's um, able to be and emptiness too. They, they talk about how empty it really feels to be in that trap. So towards the end of the scene that Marion has shown that she's made the decision that she wants to act differently. She wants to own up to the decision. So when we repent of our sins, it is so beautiful. The sacrament of reconciliation is a gift from God. It reconciles us back to him. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another so that you might be healed. When we confess our sins to a priest, he is the persona Christi, meaning he becomes Christ at that moment. We bring our sins to Christ and he illuminates that. He illuminates that dark part of our soul. He forgives it. He says that sin no longer exists. When we confess our sins in confession, that sin is literally removed. Now, when we go to confession, we enter into the confessional and we make the sign of the cross and we say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Then you state how long it's been since your last confession. Afterwards, you list your sins, starting with the more serious ones and the ones that are a little bit harder to say. Afterwards, the priest will give you a penance, which helps make restitution for your sins. And then he will absolve you of your sins. Now, that's my favorite part when the priest says, I absolve you of your sins. Christ takes that sin completely away and you're free. The final thing is you state the act of contrition. And usually they'll have that in the confessional. You can also bring it with you um, or have it on your phone. I have, I tried to memorize it, but sometimes I forget when I get nervous in confession. So I always like to bring a copy with me. It's so important to go regularly to confession because it helps keep that soul clean. It's kind of like if you get your car cleaned, you get the car washed, you get the interior cleaned. You want to keep that car clean. You don't want to mess it up. You don't want to throw trash in the back. You don't want to get mud on your car. You want to keep it clean. It's the same thing for when we go to confession. We want to keep our souls clean. Now, it is so essential that we confess all mortal sins so that we are not separated from God. It's kind of like if you're in a relationship or a marriage and you do something seriously wrong, for example, if you cheat on your spouse, you wouldn't go on living just pretending everything's okay. You would want to go to that spouse and ask for forgiveness. And hopefully your spouse would forgive you. Well, of course, our God is a loving God. So God would certainly forgive you for anything. Now, it's important that we continue to stay in the state of grace after we go to confession. So here are some tools that can help you stay in the state of grace. First, I would say prayer is so important. Whenever you're feeling tempted towards something, praying one Hail Mary is so effective because that turns our attention away from that sin and towards God. And when we turn towards our spiritual mother, Mary, 
whenever we bring our intentions to her, she brings it to Jesus on a silver platter. And of course, Jesus will listen to his mother. Another really important prayer is the St. Michael prayer. That one is a special prayer that asks St. Michael, which is actually an angel, to defeat all demons that are attacking at the moment. Because spiritual warfare is real and we do need to have that protection. Another tool is holy water. Now, holy water is water that has been blessed by a priest. What that means is the water was set aside for blessing different objects or yourself. When you go to mass, you dip your hand in the holy water and you make the sign of the cross blessing yourself. It can also be used to bless different objects. And the devil hates holy water. If you've ever seen the exorcist, when the priest is sprinkling the holy water around, the devil just hisses because he hates it because he knows that water is blessed and that water can defeat him. And looking at another spiritual tool is fasting. Um, fasting is something I really, really, really struggle with. Anytime I see a donut in front of me, it's hard to say no. Uh, so yes, it's something I struggle with. So as I'm talking about this, it's more of a reminder for myself to try to work on it a little bit more when we're able to say no to those smaller things in our lives, whether it be food, whether it be alcohol, whether it be whatever TV show, um, maybe even just saying no to that second glass of wine, whatever it is, we're flexing those spiritual muscles. So that way we were able to say no to the bigger, those bigger traps in our lives. So I was talking about those sins that we really struggle with. The way that we learn to say no to those things is by saying no to those smaller things. That's why fasting really helps, you know, and it's often said as well that some demons can only be casted out through prayer and fasting. The devil is also afraid of our ability to say no. That's why the devil doesn't like Mary because the devil knows that Mary is fully human. And yet she has the spiritual power to not sin. And, and so that's the amazing thing. When we're fasting, we're literally taking a stronghold against the devil saying, you are not in control of my decisions in life. I am able to say no and decide for myself what decisions I'm going to make. So fasting is another way to obtain that grace so that we can avoid uh, that, that uh, falling into mortal sin there. Spiritual direction helps too. I'd recommend getting a spiritual director. Um, I don't currently have one, but that's something that uh, I'm going to be looking at doing, especially if you're discerning something. Sometimes a spiritual director can help you see things in yourself that you didn't even necessarily know were there, right? So if you aren't sure of your next step in life or your calling, or you're just trying to maybe overcome a certain vice or a certain sin, having someone to coach you, uh, it's just someone to be there and to guide you through that process, I think is really helpful because we're not meant to do the spiritual thing on our own. We're always meant to have another person by our side. So yeah, I would, you know, recommend checking a, a you know, good list of spiritual directors online. If you know a priest in your area who you think would be helpful or a religious sister, just someone you trust who you really know is going to help you. And they're not meant to tell you things. They're just meant to help you uncover um, things in your, uh, you know, spiritual life and to help you deepen that relationship with God. This one is the last one, but I can't stress it enough. Can't harp on it enough. Another spiritual tool would be avoiding any demonic activity with Halloween 
you know, this weekend, uh, a lot of people are going to be getting into that stuff. Um, you know, Kathy and I went to like this, um, it was kind of like just a Halloween festival the other week, but there is some weird stuff going on, man. Like, I, I, I mean, they, people were like talking about, um, you know, invoking the devil. It was just some really scary stuff. And like, you know, we don't want to minimize that. So, you know, if you've ever played with the Ouija board or if you've ever done a seance or even the Charlie Charlie challenge that was popular like seven years ago, things like that are not good to mess with. Like they're not meant to be taken lightly. And if you have done something like that, it's good to take it to your next confession because what you're doing is you're opening yourself up to those spirits we don't know what those spirits are, but we just know they're not from God. And they oftentimes can be a huge portal um, into uh, into the devil and, and into a lot of evil stuff. Pornography is another thing. It really opens up a gateway into demonic activity and uh, that you just don't want to play around with it. So, you know, be discerning and don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to step aside if you see something like that at a party and, and excuse yourself because you don't want to deal with the ramifications of that. The thing that we want to say the most here is that there's no sin that's too big for God. You know, we can talk about sin all we want, but if we're not leaving the rest of the conversation open for the topic of mercy, then we haven't done our jobs. Um, Father Mike Gately and a lot of the other Marian priests have said that right now we're living in a time of mercy. You know, the, the greater the sin, the greater right he has to my mercy. That's something that Jesus told St. Faustina. And so the Marian priests and the whole movement of divine mercy has um, really elevated the whole message of divine mercy, that we shouldn't be fearing God to the extent that we think that he's never going to forgive us. Uh, just like Adam and Eve ran away from God, just like Marian Crane ran away and tried to hide herself from the police, That that's a lot of times what sin and shame does is we're running away from the source of hope, the thing that's actually going to help us in our lives. So all that said, don't be afraid of confession. I know that sometimes if you haven't been to confession in a long time, it can be super scary and you never really like, I guess you never really outgrow that fear. You know, I think we all get nervous about confession, but just thinking about the fact that like, you're not talking to a priest I mean, what you're really doing is you're telling Jesus, your best friend, the one who knows your sins already, you're just coming to him. And, and I think about the prodigal son, how, you know, as soon as the, 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 the prodigal son came back and was telling his father that like, I'm so sorry, I did all that. The father just embraced him and didn't even let him finish. So that's important to remember is that Jesus's mercy is powerful and it, it is just amazing what God can do, the healing he can bring. So if you're struggling with a sin, if a vice is really cramping your life right now, don't give in, don't give up and just trust that Jesus is there. And he's, he just cannot wait to meet you in confession. I think it's so important to just live with that kingdom mindset in our lives. The one thing I noticed in the movie psycho, just going back to that film again with Marion, her mindset was so focused on wanting to get married to Sam. So she was willing to do anything to achieve that goal. Well, it's like her compass was off, right? If our compass is faced true north, then our goal and our mindset will be to get to heaven. So those decisions, whether small or big, every decision is going to be pointed towards heaven. Everything that we're doing is, you know, a step closer to get to heaven. That, that should be our goal. So when we have a kingdom mindset, we're not going to be as, I guess, you know, we're not really going to be as likely to fall into mortal sin. Yeah, we might struggle. We might be tempted. We might still fall, but then we get back up again. We go to confession and, and we're still pointed towards that true north. So living with that kingdom mindset, not with the mindset pointed towards uh, money, you know, towards fame, 
um, towards, you know, just getting high, all those things that it's just, it's empty, right? But the kingdom mindset, we can live our fullest life because we say, yes, one day I'm going to be able to say that I, I ran the race. I fought the good fight, you know, that all of this was worth it. So, you know, it's not just a matter of saying no to sin. It's a matter of saying yes to something bigger, that eternal goal that's been promised to us by Christ. It's just really important that we continue to keep that in mind before it's too late. We don't know how much time we're going to have. Marion Crane said that in the, uh, the movie, she says, I better get myself out of my trap before it's too late. Well, unbeknownst to her, the next scene, she ended up in the shower and it was too late. So, you know, it's just like super important. We don't put off going to confession. We say, well, like next week or two weeks from now, I'll go. Well, if we are conscious and we know we've committed a mortal sin, get to confession as soon as possible. And if you can't go, um, make a sincere a true act of contrition that's saying the act of contrition and um, truly knowing that your sin has offended God. And you're saying that prayer, not out of fear of hell, but out of a true sorrow for hurting Jesus. Um, Our sins do hurt Jesus, but again, he wants to forgive us. His heart is burning to give us that mercy. And uh, we just, we got to make that act. We got to, we got to do it before it's too late um, because we want to make sure that we're living every single moment uh, in his grace and in the present. She just goes, a little mad sometimes. How many truth pop points would you give this movie? So I would give this movie a 7.5 just because there's a lot of meat on there where we can analyze it a lot. But I do think that the sin that Marion chooses to make is a grave sin. She did try to repent, but unfortunately she never actually got to repent. So that was very unfortunate. Um, since the shower scene happened and I don't want to give anything away. I'm going to probably give it an eight um, just because (laughs) I just think it's like really kind of a very interesting analysis. Once you really start to like look at the way that the decision not only affects her, but it affects the people around her too. And so kind of seeing the ripple effect of mortal sin too. I thought that's really interesting. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's a bummer that she ends up in the shower. I don't want our listeners to like avoid the shower because it's a pretty good chance that we're more likely to, you know, I don't know, get into a car accident, (laughs) you know, rather than getting stabbed in the shower. Don't go to the Bates Motel. Don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. If I had $40,000, I'd like to just buy out the Bates Motel. You know, that's what I would do. Um, I I would go traveling if I had $40,000. Yeah. Where would you go travel? I would travel probably to Europe, Italy, um, probably France and England. I just wish that, you know, we could have picked Marion up in a car as we're on our way to Europe and say, just come to Europe with us. You know, don't, don't spend any of that money there. You know, just, you know, let's, let's go to confession in, in Rome or something. You know, that would have been a, a kind of a better ending rather than making people afraid of the shower, which by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but people weren't allowed into the theater after the shower scene because Hitchcock didn't want oh, wow. to know what happened. So yeah. um, that's, you know, we're, again, we're just covering the first half of the movie. We're not even touching the second half because there's too many spoilers. So see the movie. It's super good. I'd give it an eight out of 10 for truth, beauty, and goodness. I think it's fantastic. There are some scenes of, um, you know, not graphic nudity, but just something to be aware of if you have kids, uh, stuff that they probably don't want to see. Uh, just a few questions to ponder, uh, as we're wrapping this conversation up and something that can maybe help us get ready for our next confession. So can you think of a time when you were extra intentional about avoiding a sin? What helped you to do so? Another question What did you do when you've made a wrong choice? Did you feel as if God was mad at you? 
Did you avoid him afterwards? What was your response? And the last question, how has the sacrament of reconciliation helped you? What has your experience been like? Has it been positive? Has it been negative? Some good questions to ponder there. And I guess something else to ponder too, as we wrap this up, be safe this Halloween. Uh, if you're listening to this conversation and you're about to go to some Halloween party, you know, just again, be aware that there's a lot of bad stuff, but we don't necessarily want to give the bad stuff more power than it deserves. Right. Cause we don't believe as Catholics that Halloween is a sinful holiday. No, it started as all Hallows Eve meant to be the, the night before all saints day which a lot of times is a holy day of obligation. So, um, you know, it used to, it used to be that people would just dress up as saints and dress their kids up as saints. And I know that that's often still a popular thing to do for Catholics celebrating Halloween. So, you know, it's not meant to be a, a holiday that's demonized, just, you know, bring God into it, bring the light into it because it shines even brighter when you're a part of it. So this has been another episode of truth pop. We are back. So glad to be back into the routine again. So expect another conversation. And if you ever want to email us with your feedback or comments or questions, hit us up on all socials or truth pop productions at gmail.com. But as we like to say, Jake and Kathy together, our couple name is cake. So cake out. This is truth pop connecting Christ into culture.